Yes guys, it's Luke Telma and I'd like to welcome you to The Crunch. The podcast for health, fitness, mindset, success and more. Let's get into today's episode. Yes guys, how is it going? Welcome back to The Crunch Podcast with myself Luke and today I'm absolutely super excited I've got an amazing guest with me today. It is author and founder of the Sober Girl Society, Millie Gooch. Hey! Uh, that's a, you're such a good hype man. I wish I could just carry you around with me. Oh, we can organise that. <laughs> that's no problem. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. This has good. been a long time coming. I know. And great to have it. you on the podcast. Thank so much you. stuff going on. Um, so obviously, I know all the amazing things you're doing at the moment and what's been going on for you. Can you introduce yourself to everyone uh, with what you do and who you are? Yeah, I can. So my name is Millie. I um, basically, in February 2018, stopped drinking. And because of that, I then started something called Sober Girl Society, which is now the largest sober platform on Instagram. So there's now... Um, uh, 104,000 of us, I think, at the last count. Um, and then since then, that has just completely changed the trajectory of my life, really. So I now do talks, I do podcasts like this, I go into universities, and I've just written a book as well. So that's the, the latest thing. That is absolutely amazing. And it's only been like a short space of time, right, since that's happened. I mean, how long ago was it since you actually went sober and stopped drinking? So sober was Feb 2018, so that's coming up to three years in Feb. Mm -hmm. And then I started Sober Girl Society in September 2018, so that's just over two years now. Okay, so take me back to just before you got into stopping alcohol completely, what was like the, the moment where you was like, I'm done? Like, was there a defining moment? And so interestingly, I always say this, there wasn't like one defining moment. If anything, like my last kind of hangover was actually tame compared to some of the other <laughs> hangovers. But it was just one more time of like, I mean, so I was a, a binge drinker, I would say. So I could quite easily go a week without drinking. But then come Friday, I was like, yeah fuck it I'm Get on getting it. Yeah. <laughs> so Friday Saturday I, you would normally find me out drinking and then I would spend the rest of my weekend just feeling like absolute shit um my mental health took an absolute nosedive so I would get that beer fear like hangover anxiety or anxiety as we kind of call it and I would just wake up in the morning I was really suffering from blackouts so I wouldn't remember a large portion of, like, of my night uh, I'd be like, what did I say? Did I call my friend a dickhead? Does everyone <laughs> hate me? Um, and so, I, and my life was just like that. And then, it, you know, it would come Monday, Tuesday, I'd be at work, I'd still feel really shit. I'd just eat loads of junk food and carbs. I'd, I was having like cheesy chips for breakfast. just for, to like For breakfast? Yeah, just, oh, just no. to soak up the alcohol um, and just to try and get through it. You know, when you wake up and all your craving is like grease. Mm-hmm. I used to like put chips in and like melt cheese. Oh, oh, yeah, it was just awful. And that I would keep going and then I would by about Thursday, I'd start to feel better again. I'd be like, yeah, I, I feel great. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get on it. And I would just like <laughs> be in this cycle of going out, drinking, feeling like crap. So I just woke up on this day and I had broken up with my ex-boyfriend the Christmas before, so a couple of months before. And in that kind of like two months, it kind of my drinking crept up a notch, I would say. So I was going out all the time because... That's how you're told to, you know, get over someone who's go out, get pissed, mm-hmm. slog the nearest person next to you. <laughs> of course, I was too drunk to ever pull. No one would have come there. <laughs> but those two months kind of really amped up. And then I woke up 
February the 11th, 2018, and just thought, I feel like shit, and I can't keep doing this. My life is at Groundhog Day. I'm like 26. I just don't enjoy life anymore. And if I keep going like this, like, what is the point? I'm like not getting out at weekends. I'm just feeling miserable all the time. And interestingly enough, which I always kind of think was fate, about three weeks before this all happened, I was on the tube and I had Stylist magazine and I read an interview from Catherine Gray who'd just written this book called The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober. And so that morning I was so hungover, I downloaded it on Audible and like I couldn't have read a book. So I just kind of like laid there, (laughs) hungover, listening to this book. And the way she talked about sobriety, I'd never heard anyone speak about it like that before. I'd only ever heard, you know, it's doom and gloom, you'll give it, like even the word giving it up is just a really interesting way to phrase it, I think, because for me, I've gained so much more than I've given up. Mm. So I kind of, yeah, I read this book and I was like, that's it, I'm going to stop drinking and see what happens. And I just absolutely loved it and I just felt great all the time like reduced anxiety no shame I was feeling like more productive I was going out more and like my experience was just so positive so yeah that was that was kind of my like drinking moment if you would say where Mm -hmm. I was like this is it I'm not gonna do it anymore but I wouldn't say it was like a cataclysmic like fall from grace or like a rock bottom okay just yeah another day of feeling like shit (laughs) so there was a few things basically that led up to the decision of going right this is enough and almost like fate, you said, right place, right time. Mm. And it just started from there. Yeah. But I mean, what what other things would you say happened which were a bit more embarrassing for you? I mean, because you touched on saying you was way too drunk to pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. like I want to hear a little bit of what, what, did, what did that Millie look like oh, <laughs> in I'm... a club? <laughs> You did, she would have been the person, you know, where you're like, oh my god, look how girl, like, look how drunk that girl is. Oh, no. That that would be me, like propping myself up at the bar, like talking to strangers. Interestingly, like that night that I stopped drinking, when I woke up in the morning, I had a text from someone that was like, oh my god, it was nice to meet you, but you were so drunk. And I was like, I don't remember oh, meeting this no. person. If you'd have put this person in front of me, I wouldn't have been able to pick them out of a lineup. Like, I was just embarrassing. I'd like go outside in the smoking area and start asking people for cigarettes and just like, oh. oh. I was just that that drunk girl, the the drunk girl that everyone knows. And I mean, it, it was either going like one of two ways. I remember like sometimes I, I would just leave in the middle of a club. I would just decide I wanted to go home and then that was it. And I'd have like, and I wouldn't tell anyone. And I'd wake up and I'd have like 47 missed calls of like, oh my God, where oh my are you? Do we call God. the police? Like... And then other times would be, I would be ringing people. I used to ring my ex-boyfriend and like shout at him down the phone. And then the next day I'd be like, oh my God, why did I do that? And just like, yeah, so many like embarrassing things. I was always falling over, covered in like bruises and scrapes and just, yeah, ruining my life on the weekend, I think. Do you know what's crazy though? I don't actually think that that's extremely uncommon. No, I feel all. like... Well, I've seen that every time I've gone out, mm. uh, as you described, there's always that person, guy or girl, where you've gone, I'm not getting like that yeah. tonight, or wow, they need to go home. But I feel like it's so common, yet it still surprises me how people are fully self-aware mm. of silly things they do. I think it's even more funny now on social media. I think on Twitter you see, oh, when you text your ex when you're super drunk, do you know what I mean? People yeah. are fully aware, but they still decide to do it. Yeah. So what would you say what you did was different that allowed you to get out of that I mean did you set any goals or aims to sort of coming out of it or was it just more of a a mindset shift yeah I think it was 
I'd say it's like a mindset mindset shift now as to how I've sustained it. But at the time, I actually didn't have any other goal other than to I like want to feel better. Okay. So I didn't set any like time limits. I never said like I'm never ever drinking again. I just said I want to stop drinking and see if it makes me feel better. And then those changes were quite instant. Mm -hmm. But then after that, it was about mindset shifts. So it was about okay, how do I sustain this? Because I think you do get to a point where you're like, I could have a couple. I could go back to doing that and actually like keeping yourself on track I think mindset is so important for that so like remembering everything that you have gained so like I have given up one thing which is alcohol but I have gained time energy money productivity stronger friendships like the gains are endless so for me focusing on that and almost weighing up in a sort of pro and cons this has really like been amazing for me I think it's not been like giving up it, it's been like gaining and, and looking at it in that way I think has really helped me kind of stay on track I think that's really interesting because obviously as a personal trainer and coming from the mm. health and fitness background that's exactly the kind of way I'd approach goals with certain people mm. so let's take it for example a lot of my clients do like alcohol and over consume alcohol yeah. but I know that if I said to them you're going to give up just having that sort of direct approach doesn't yeah. sit very well no. and also i don't think it's sustainable so i think that's sort of a really good tip if you're listening to this that you you want to kind of either cut down mm. or be happier just try and see it as what can i gain mm -hmm. and look at the positive outcome as opposed to oh no i won't be able to do this and i, I can't do this and i can't do that yeah. and i think subconsciously then you're aiming for more happiness than yeah. oh no but I think that's really interesting and I I think especially with me I found a lot of clients they don't they don't see the gain. No, no, no. Everyone no. sees as you said more the doom and gloom of the negative stereotypical associations mm -hmm. that you'd get from stopping like to drink alcohol. Yeah. But I don't think that's actually beneficial at all. I think the way you've seen that there is thinking of the gains and even maybe writing down pros and cons mm. of this, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. documenting it so it's tangible, you can see it. It must be so much more effective. Yeah. And and seeing it like physically as well so like if I go out with my friends and say I stay at one of their houses yeah I might not have been able to drink in the evening but in the morning I'm the one who's awake making the most of their day has brunch plans so even seeing that physically is always a good reminder for me of like oh okay this is why I do it so I think like I mean I'm always a fan of writing things down because I just think getting them out of your head and putting them down I but agree. then seeing them in front of you as well like one of the things I always say is a really silly thing but sometimes I will search the word hungover in my whatsapp chat and it'll bring up loads of my old whatsapp oh. conversations and maybe like I'm so hungover I want to die like and like reliving those moments really really like reminds me whereas like if I didn't have those like physical reminders I think I would have forgot my mental state of being that hungover and I'd be like oh hangovers aren't that bad because even now I'm like maybe a hangover isn't as bad as I remembered it and then I read those texts and I'm like oh yeah no it was yeah <laughs> that's such a good thing like, I've never heard of that before mm. that's such a really important tip I definitely think yeah. more people need to a be doing search. that for sure that's crazy though but I also think it's mad how your health as you said and mentioned there can change as well mm. and for me that's something that I think I want to touch on a bit more and find really interesting because Sometimes I have a bit of a battle, like you had a, mm. not so much a battle because you looked at it in such a great perspective. I usually have a battle trying to get people to stop drinking as much or reduce drinking or yeah. try and implement the positive aspects because it will make them healthier. So would you say from a health perspective that you saw, you know, any differences? Oh, uh, like it is the single best thing I've ever done from like my health, full stop. 
I mean, just, I mean, you, you can really get into it, but there is, there is not one single part of your body that is not affected by alcohol, basically. So it improves every aspect. And even if it's not the ones that you can see, it's the ones that you can't see as well, from like your liver to your heart, everything, your immune system. And I instantly felt like I had more energy. Um, so alcohol basically affects your REM part of your sleep cycle. Mm-hmm. So my sleep was better and therefore my like mental health was better. My physical health was better because during your sleep is obviously when like your cells regenerate. So without sleep, you know, it, that's really hard. So, you know, for my sleep, I just think that it was every part of me. I was happier and even like my eyes were brighter and there's this like, Chinese kind of idea in their medicine that your eyes are linked to your liver so everyone was saying to me oh like your eyes are so much brighter and I just thought that was like something that people were actually saying like you know oh, you look more like you <laughs> is another one like who's me like who do I look more like yeah but uh, you know when I looked into it it's like actually because your liver is a lot purer it shows in your eyes so, like the whites of your eyes are brighter just like my skin was better and even like I think weight loss is a really difficult subject to talk about in sobriety because not everyone experiences it. And no. I think a lot of people think that if they stop drinking, they will instantly like lose weight, which isn't always true. I mean, I started eating a lot more cookies when I stopped drinking because yeah. I needed sugar. Um, but I think one thing that is interesting is all those excess things. So like the cheesy chips for breakfast, I wasn't eating all the 4am yeah. kebabs. It wasn't necessarily the calories in the alcohol itself. It was like everything around it. I think I've found that with clients, you know, that it's more about compartmentalizing you as an individual. Because mm. some people I know will just drink. Yeah. They don't necessarily have a lot of bad eating habits that come along with it. Whereas you, you drank, but it was also the, then the pre-drink yeah. food that you would yeah. have. Line you in your stomach. Yeah, you yeah. need to line your stomach. Oh yeah, let's get some chips. Or afterwards, let's get a kebab. Yeah. So I think with weight loss as well, but also health benefits, it's more to do with the individual. But mm. from a very simplistic perspective, and again, you'll know this, it's that alcohol doesn't serve any nutritional no. benefit. In or, in no way or gain. It is literally more toxic for your body. So what will obviously happen is when you consume that, your body will have this stuff in its system and go, mm. right, what's this? Like, we can't use it. Yeah. It can't be stored anywhere. So what it will do is slow down other processes yeah. of digesting things and other things that occur within your body that you yeah. can't see. And it will prioritize getting rid of that. Yep. And that's where people can say, you know, you can slow down your metabolism by drinking. Yeah. And that, that's basically from, again, a simplistic perspective, yeah. what it is. And the more you do that, your body's very clever. It will it will know that we're going to be all right throughout the week and it will come to the weekend and it will slow down ready yeah. for that. And that's not the kind of cycle you want to get into. And no. that's where you're going to see things, you know, change. But also you can see weight loss from, from mm. a you know, cutting out alcohol as well. And if that's someone's goal, people will know that the calorie mm. intake, I mean, I think I had a few, I don't know if you, you know these, maybe a bit more accurately than me, that maybe a, a glass of wine is equal to maybe like certain types of like a donut. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure that is probably true. Um, and I think sometimes if you're looking at maybe triggers or things to remember when yeah. trying to reduce, you can think of that if you have like a health goal yeah. and be like, right, this I can imagine eating four donuts. Yeah, yeah. But I can easily drink four glasses glass of wine. wine yeah. So when you correlate them maybe to something else as well, I found helps with yeah. getting your mind on the right track with things like that yeah. as well. I think the interesting thing as well is that so alcohol is pretty much the only thing 
on the planet that doesn't need to have its nutritional information on the bottle. So you have no idea about the calories either. And so like an interesting one I found out recently is, so obviously everyone's like, oh, I'm going to drink like drink gin because it's better for me. But now there's this new wave of like pink gins and flavor gins and actually they are packed full of sugar. Mm-hmm. So someone will go up to the bar and say, oh, I'm going to have a pink gin and tonic because they think it's like healthier for them. <laughs> and it's packed full of sugar. But we think yeah. gin, we think clean. And of course that's not the case and the other big misconception as well just sort of going back to the health benefits is with red wine being good for you this is another classic myth all the time i hear this yeah and and the point is so it it does like the there's an ingredient in it that basically will give you some cardioprotective factors but anything else in it will far outweigh that so because your risk of cancer goes up you know your mental health everything your how it affects your liver far outweighs so they say you shouldn't drink wine because like red wine because you think it's good for you and in fact you'd have to drink a hell of a lot to get those benefits and actually the benefit comes from the grapes so if you just have a bunch of grapes that is much better for yeah. you than the red wine yeah i completely agree i hear that with clients all the time i go well i can have a wine can't yeah. i that's, yeah that's good for me red wine's good for you yeah they expect me to go yeah do you know what yeah. i have four go what? for it yeah. no not the case at all do you find that with people that you've worked with and helped online that it's more females or males that are looking to get into sort of dropping alcohol intake or giving up I think like outwardly more females Mm -hmm. but like secretly I also think there's a lot of men as well but I mean obviously because I am female and it's sober girl society the majority of people that I deal with are female but because I have my personal platform as well I do get a lot more men over there talking about their struggles and there's also a lot more men now openly talking about sobriety which is amazing because we need to see that and even just normalizing like not drinking that much people don't really talk about how they don't drink a lot yeah so i think that's really important even by doing this podcast i think it's so important to actually have men who will say oh i actually don't drink that much like those conversations need to be happening oh no i completely agree and i think as we was discussing earlier mm. on um i i don't drink much um people even on the podcast you guys might not know this but i i don't like drinking alcohol mm. um and i feel like it's more of a stereotype um, for guys and girls but maybe more so guys that if you don't drink you're not really part of the group you ain't mm. part of the clique or how are you going to have a good time bro if you ain't if you ain't drinking yeah. or even a layer down from that even if I am drinking I might go oh do you know what I might just have a, a you know I'll have a cocktail yeah. or something like that oh you ain't having a beer yeah oh, what's that all about and straight away I feel like that pressure mm-hmm. and also that stereotype of what men should drink and men should drink is actually really damaging for people that may have the mental health uh, problems that came with alcohol like you did, the health issues, but because they want to fit in and feel good, they just go with it. Yeah. I mean, is that something you found? Yeah, I mean, I I would say probably like 75% of the battle with most of the people I speak to is social pressure. Like, that is the key. And it's this, I always say it's so bizarre because it's like we all secretly know that we don't want to drink, but we'll push each other to do it. <laughs> it's, the, it's the weirdest thing yeah. ever. And, like, when I was single and sober, I would go on dates with people and they would say, oh, I'm not going to drink if you're not going to drink. And it was like they were actually quite glad to have an excuse not to drink. And it's almost like, oh, well, if I'd have been drinking, they would have drunk because the pressure would then be for them to drink. Because I just assumed that everyone I got a date with would then say, oh, I'm going to drink. But it was like people actually were quite glad that they were going to have a day off and mm-hmm. that like next day they weren't going to be 
hungover. But I mean, we were saying earlier, women kind of, there's this idea basically that women use alcohol more as an emotional tool. So, you know, I've had a stressful day at work. Um, you know, mummy wine culture is very ingrained in all of this as well. The kids are driving me mad. Mummy's <laughs> going to have a gin. All this yeah. kind of stuff. Whereas men, the idea is that it's more of a social bonding tool. So, I mean, I know personally I could go out for drinks with the girls. None of us drink and we'll still, like, get really deep. Someone will probably still cry. Like, we'll still get really into it. Yeah. Whereas men, when they go out together, it's almost as if they would find it weird to, like, go for, like, a lad's night out and no one drink. Whereas that is a lot more acceptable, I think, for women. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that as well. I think I've seen it even when we got with, like, work colleagues and stuff like that, that if there's a group of you you'll find the guys are much more empowering on wanting to drink and mm. wanting to do this. And sometimes the females are much more chilled, like, go have a drink. If not, it's fine. Yeah. I just feel like it's more to do, and I think you said it there, is that guys, well, I don't mind. Me and the way my family works and me and my brothers, four brothers, we could go out, not drink, mm. and be open and have heart to heart. But I think that's just how we've been brought up. Yeah. But I think for the majority of guys... If you sat a group of guys down and went, oh, would you guys not drink? You know, have a little bit of a heart to heart and see yeah. how you're feeling. Most of them be like, yeah. you mind me up? Yeah. No. Yeah. But but why? Like, and yeah. I think that's been so emphasised recently with mental health as a whole mm-hmm. for men that it needs to be spoken about more. And if you don't like drinking alcohol and you want to get these gains that yeah. you can obviously achieve from this, why should you not be able to speak about that openly and it yeah. be be accepted? I mean, do you have any tips for anyone maybe that is in that position that that could help? Um, I, do you know what? For men in particular, so there was a guy on Love Island a few years ago called Chris Williamson. He was like one of the originals. He has actually started a six-month sober program. So he's been talking about basically how he's been doing like long-running stints of sobriety and how he thinks it's been like the best thing for him ever. And it's quite a like... I don't want to say male focus because I don't want to like put people in boxes, but there's a lot. It kind of drops the slushy gushy stuff that I do and comes at it from like that more kind of masculine angle. And, you know, talks about the gains of productivity and fitness. You know, he's really into his fitness. Mm-hmm. But I think then you go into it and then you become more confident. And then maybe five months down the line, you can say, oh, actually, come on, lads. Let's like, you know, I'm not drinking. Why don't you not drink? Let's like have a chat but I think that's the kind of way to get more men into it is to come out like actually oh you know if you go six months sober you might be able to like start your business you might have to do this and there's loads more people following suit actually there's Scott Thomas from Love Island I think his brother has actually just stopped drinking as well Um, and so many more people men young men are talking about it and how it's not just like oh you have to stop drinking because you've got a problem it's like actually you could stop drinking and get all these amazing fitness benefits productivity benefits energy benefits like you could just feel great feel happy and I think people are talking about it more from a gaining angle than a loss angle now which I think is so important I think that's where sober girl society stood out and Mm. has had the growth because well, I saw it from when, when you started and it, it just looked different, mm. like the aesthetic. And I think you said like the way it's put out to people, I think has a major effect on whether it sinks in yeah. and you absorb it. If you just see something saying, oh, you know, don't worry about what your friends think. Like just stop drinking. You'll still have a good night. It's very flat yeah. and very like, oh yeah, that's very easy. But yeah. if you put a different spin on it, uh, like these guys from Love Island and obviously yourself, because mm. you're killing it, that's the Thanks. kind of... 
that's that angle you need. And I guess that leads us nicely yeah. with Sober Girl Society. <laughs> so what do you think you did different to the other people that have obviously been doing this before you, yeah. but haven't had the growth and success and the 104,000 followers Casual. and all that <laughs> that, uh, <coughs> that you have? Just a few. <laughs> um, I think it's exactly what we were just saying, actually. When I started looking out, what was out there, everything was dark. Like, all the aesthetics were black. And it was very, like you've had to give this up and like you know every, everything I read was like oh don't go to places that you normally drink at because you might be triggered and it it was all kind of advice that felt really impractical to me because at the time I was working in journalism I was working in fashion I was going to fashion parties like every week I was going to some kind of like catwalk show or a launch where like champagne was being like shoved in my hand so these things weren't like practical for me and I just didn't see anyone having fun and my experience so far when I was like six months down the line just before I started it was like it's actually been amazing and nothing I can see is reflecting that. It's all doom and gloom and a lot was based in America and there are a few great pages that were talking about like mummy wine culture but just for like a young millennial British girl, nothing even had like humour in it and I was like, I need to be able to like laugh at my experiences, like humour is such an important tool for me and I was just looking and none of those pages reflected it and I was like, I think... I'm going to start something. So I just started doing like funny quotes, like funny observations. I love these as well, like... by the way. I know it's so big society, but I follow your page, I'm like, yeah. oh! So funny. I like... Like, like that one. And in- interestingly enough, I actually didn't put my face on it until I had 10,000 followers. So from that, from up until 10,000, it was completely anonymous. Just I was writing blog posts, I was sharing my experience. And just so many people resonated with it and it like from the minute I started it it just took off like it's just grown from the beginning and I think there was just nothing like it that looked fun and appealing and it is such a serious topic and there's so many elements to it but I personally believe that you have to draw people in with aesthetics and fun and make it look accessible and so many people have said to me like you know I came to your page and it looked really great and I started reading and then all of a sudden I started learning and then I decided actually I'm going to stop drinking for a month and now six months later here we are and I'm like that is the point if if you look at a page and you're like oh dark and scary no thanks not for me I'm going to keep drinking whereas I just thought if you look at this page and you get hooked in and then all of a sudden you start learning and the next thing you know you're not drinking like yeah that's a win for me I also think what you've done by creating that sort of atmosphere and vibe from an aesthetic view, but then as you said, it, it gets absorbed, mm. is that you've created a, a bit of a tribe and a yeah. community. And I think today on social media, that's a key to really getting something to grow, but also for the information to spread and sink in. Yeah. You'll see a lot, of, a lot of big fitness companies, especially like Gymshark, for example, yeah. people like that. They're not just talking about clothes. Yeah. It's about the benefit of how something can make you feel and the gain you can get from feeling good and then yeah. feeling good with other people in the community. And I feel like you've done that with sobriety mm. and, you know, that you can be with a group of people and all have that same vibe and yeah. all be like, oh, it's a bit new to me, but hey, we're the same. Yeah. And you've even done uh, events and stuff, right? Yeah, so I started... Basically, I was too scared to start events because I thought no one would come, which looking back now, I feel like it's quite a silly mentality. <laughs> Very silly. But I started these like threads where you would basically drop your location. So obviously you wouldn't put your full address, but you'd be like London, UK, Birmingham, UK. And people would be able to like, interact with each other and then they could independently go and like have coffee if they wanted to. So I was just kind of like facilitating that. And then I noticed that there was like a particular thread, someone had written London and then about 20 girls had commented underneath that they were also from London. 
and I had a girl called Lucy message me and say, I'm really sorry, I've noticed there's about 20 people from London. If I organised a meetup, how would you feel? And I was like, oh my God, of course, like organise it. But can you just like check the date with me first? Because I'd love to come. So I actually turned up to the first Saving Girls Society meetup and I had had nothing to do with it. Oh my I know. God. <laughs> so I turned up <laughs> and I like yeah. bought little badges for everyone. And oh my God, I just cried the whole way through because I was like, I can't believe these people have met because of my page. And like everyone was sharing their experiences and it was a real like, oh my God, me too oh my god me too and everyone was like I found my people and oh. it was just the loveliest thing to set, like to see so I spoke to Lucy and I was like look do you, do you fancy like maybe doing this as a thing and she was like I'd love to help so now she helps me organise I mean we haven't been able to do a meet up since March of course yeah um, which is really sad but we do regular meet ups across the country so we did our first like northern event last year went up to Manchester which was really fun because they are wild up there <laughs> even yeah. without a drink they are wild <laughs> and yeah, we've kind of just like had these like regular meetups because I think my friends and my family have been so supportive. I cannot say otherwise, but having people who also don't drink and just doing what I'm doing and sharing your experiences, like there's nothing like that. Like even on a fitness journey, it doesn't matter how, I mean, I know your girlfriend is obviously very into fitness. She is. Because I know her very well. <laughs> but even like if you didn't have her if your friends and family were supportive of a fitness journey but weren't necessarily into it, you would want to find that community yourself. So that's essentially, I think, what is really great about it as well is that you get to speak to people who are doing exactly what you're doing, share experiences and know that you are not alone because I think there's such a like stigma attached to not drinking of like, oh, you're a weirdo, you're boring, you're a loser. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you- I, still, I, I literally get that now. I'm quite lucky because I'm a personal trainer I have the old, not even, do you know what, it sounds bad actually saying this out loud now. I have the old, do you know what, yeah, like, I'm really into, like, my training at the moment, yeah. my nutrition, so I've got to keep it a bit uh, suppressed. And they're like, all right, fair play. But, I, do you know what, even just saying that out loud right now seems like it's so bad that I feel like I have to have a justification yeah. as to why I should not drink. Yeah. You always feel like you need an excuse. And I always relate it back to smoking, like, you don't need an excuse why you're not smoking. It's obvious why you're not smoking. It's not good for you. But you always need an excuse why you're not drinking. Oh, I'm on antibiotics. Oh, I'm driving. Oh, I've got something in the morning. Oh, you know, I'm into my fitness. You have to have an excuse. And it's just the weirdest thing in the world. It doesn't happen with any other drug. It doesn't happen with smoking. It doesn't happen with heroin. No one asks you to do cocaine and you have to come up <laughs> with an excuse of why you don't want to do cocaine. No. Like, it's just so mad that we have this, like, thing around alcohol where drinking is the norm and not drinking is against the norm and it shouldn't be that way one thing i found with clients and i think maybe you'll agree on this is that it's usually the attachment sometimes or the association people have so Mm. for example i have a a lady called wendy who i train and when she drinks she's told me that her friends love the drunk wendy yeah yeah. The, the drunk I like Wendy's, drunk Wendy. <laughs> yeah, that was the hands of the drunk Wendy. <laughs> yeah. Because she's she's Wendy, but yeah. now she's drunk Wendy, yeah. and everyone loves being around that. Yeah. So I feel like as an individual and from a mindset perspective, you're you know set with this drunk Wendy persona yeah. that you feel like you have to keep up to feel more, more accepted. I think sometimes that's the problem as well, because then people think, oh, but if I don't drink... Like, how are my friends going to view me now if I'm just Wendy? Yeah. And I think also from a, you know, a psychological perspective and mental health, that could play with your brain by saying, well, what's wrong with Wendy? I, yeah. Do you know what? It's interesting you would say that because I think this is such a fundamental point about sobriety that no one 
actually talked about and I've, I don't think I've really spoken about this much but I fully agree with that because I like Drunk Millie was my persona and actually my friend used to call me Generous Millie because I was like buying everyone Jaeger bombs <laughs> and like just you know who wants a drink and I was so loud and overt and I felt like I always had to live up to that and then I started feeling like oh well the, the real me isn't good enough I have to be this person so I started feeling like oh, well they won't love me if you know I'm not that person but that isn't me that is drunk Millie the real me is here and when you're not getting that love for being the real you it is like it's like a real disconnect because it's like you're two different people so you're like okay well which version of me do they like and then you don't feel like you're being your authentic self because you're being this like projection of this like fun drunk Wendy so yeah. I think drunk Wendy is something that everyone experiences definitely and also you'd be surprised I have it with clients because not only do I do obviously the training and food aspect but I like to touch on a lot of the psychological and mindset mm. aspect and that see how when you said you stopped drinking and the gains you got from that yeah. from a mindset perspective when people feel like that disconnect that they're mm. not that fun Wendy again we'll use Wendy yeah. it affects her training yeah because she'll come in and on a Monday I'll train her and she'll be a bit down. I'll be like, Wendy, what's up? And she'll be like, oh yeah, no, I, you know, I didn't really have a, a drink on a weekend that, but we still went out. But she feels like there's something missing because yeah. she hasn't had that same acceptance. And I think that's very important that people don't realise how much subconsciously of an effect it has on mm. maybe the rest of your week. Yeah. But also the confidence of how you view yourself. And I think that's something that really needs to change because that's something I have to work with mm. to sort of implement the no look you're here in your training you've lost the stone yeah. but all these things become overshadowed because you're forced with this oh you need to be this or yeah. mm. I think that is so important as well because I always say I don't actually think you build real confidence when you're drinking because your confidence is synthetic it comes from a bottle so as soon as you drink that you're confident but then you don't actually learn how to be confident in social situations without drinks. In the rest of your life, you're not that confident. So I would say, like, now I'm actually more confident. But I think people who knew me when I was drinking would probably say I was more confident back then. But that wasn't real confidence. No. Whereas now, I know that I could, like, do an interview like this. Or I could go on a date. Or I could... Oh, I wouldn't go on a date because I have a boyfriend. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I was going on a date, <laughs> if I was going on a date, I could do that without drinking. Like, I'm confident in knowing that. So... I think that is really like a key point as well is that you can become quite unconfident as a person because you're just completely relying on alcohol for your confidence. And the funny thing is that if you actually switch it, you can actually learn how to gain real confidence mm. when your mind is clearer and you drop the persona and you drop the association and you have more productive time, which will maybe lead to something that implements more confidence. Yeah. Or you do lose weight or you do more fitness stuff because you have more time. And because you feel better in yourself, that gives you more confidence. Yep. And I found the switch of not necessarily going completely so, but definitely reducing alcohol mm -hmm. has led to people realizing how to gain actual confidence. Yep. And then it comes back around in a better circle because when it comes to drinking, they feel more confident. So they don't feel the need to have more alcohol. And that's how you beat I yeah. guess that vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. It is, oh, I'm not confident, so I'm going to drink. But then you don't build real confidence, so you become unconfident. It is. It is such a cycle. But there's so many reasons that drinking is a cycle, especially with like mental health. They say it's so hard with people who have mental health problems and are drinking to understand 
what is actually going on there because a lot of people who suffer from mental health even like anxiety like me I would drink because I was feeling anxious but then drinking will make you more anxious and then you drink because you're anxious drinking makes you more anxious and you're just going around in this cycle so and breaking that is really hard and alcohol is a depressant yeah right? it's a, yeah so it depresses your central nervous system um and then I mean, it's very scientific and technical, but yeah. same with like anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Basically, if I can explain it in the easiest way possible, when you drink, it puts like a plug in your anxiety. So all the chemicals that are coming out for your anxiety, it puts a plug. So it slows some processes down, speeds others up, but it will put a plug in it. But that won't go anywhere. It's just here. So the next morning, you will get an absolute spike in those chemicals. That's why you get hangover anxiety because your anxiety hasn't gone anywhere. So if you're like, oh, I'm drinking because, you know, I'm relieving this stress doesn't relieve it it stops it and then you'll feel even more stressed they, it doesn't go anywhere i don't actually think most people know that no i know i know this yeah. and i try and implement this to people i work with but i still think even that piece of information is crazy that yeah. it's not known but this is why it's great that on your platform with sober girl society i feel like you take these pieces of even maybe scientific information mm. And you kind of brand it with yeah. as you've got the pink <laughs> yeah. on. We me. even had a pink background ready to yeah. go. And I was like, do you okay. know what? I'm not sure, but <laughs> the branding was there. Then when people see that and they see the way you word things, it's very fun and clever. Yeah. Then it sinks. Do you know what I mean? And they want to share it and they yeah. want to educate people. And it looks aesthetically pleasing yeah. to share. And I think that's something that's, you know, amazing with what you've done. Thank you. And... Now, yeah. <laughs> as you, if you didn't hear at the start, author, you've got a book coming out. I do, I do, yeah. Tell us more about the book. So it comes out January the 14th, 2021. So it's called The Sober Girl Society Handbook. And it is uh, an empowering guide uh, to living hangover free. So it's kind of, it's part narrative memoir, part self-help. So it kind of goes through a bit of my drinking story. It also talks about the kind of world drinking stories, like why are we drinking so much? A little bit about how kind of attitudes are changing, I think, now. So I think the latest stats show that one out of three, or it's a third of 16 to, to 24-year-olds now don't drink. Um, and kind of how we are shifting, you know, non-alcoholic beverages are booming. So there's there's a bit about that. And then it goes into sort of a very practical guide. So how to survive a wedding, because I have done them all. I've done about <laughs> 15 weddings, Hindus, baby showers. Like there is nothing that I haven't done sober now. Um, so it's like kind of a tip for that. And then the last kind of bit of the book goes into activism around alcohol harm because there is a lot that we could be doing, you know, even kind of like this work or talking to pubs and bars about upping their non-alcoholic offering, you know, making people more aware of choices. Um, there's so many things like, and then you've got a lot more of the kind of serious side of it and, you know, parallels of, you know, privilege and addiction. And there's a lot of, so it, Again, it's a bit like Sober Girl Society. It hooks you in with the like nice sparkly stuff and then there's a chapter at the end that's like, bam, this is how we change the world. So yeah, it's kind of like a really comprehensive guide, but I've written it in a really like accessible way that I would have wanted to read it because you know, as much as I would love if everyone would read academic papers, like they are quite boring. So I've done the hard work, taken it out and put it into a way that I think people will respond well to it. You've gooched it up. I've gooched it up, exactly. That's, I feel like that's... Yeah. <laughs> Sober Girl Society is where you've just gooched yeah, everything up. Gooch it. Yeah, yeah. You just, Have you got a gooch button on your laptop? Yeah, I should you just take do. a second to go, boss. Yeah, take that out of that Harvard research paper, gooch it, put some pink sparkles There's on the it. book. Done, yeah, that's it. I feel like that's what's going to be amazing with your book. Obviously, I haven't I've read it. I've seen the um, the cover. Again, branding yeah. is on point. It looks amazing. <laughs> 
Would you say as well, this would be good for someone who isn't necessarily looking to be completely sober, but looking to learn more about the idea of it? Yeah, 100%. I mean, it comes at it from sort of like how you could tackle doing things sober as well. So even if you just wanted to say, do this wedding sober or go to a festival and experiment with doing this festival sober, it's not... I mean, I talk about sobriety as like the default because for me, I don't think you get all the benefits unless you go completely teetotal. But I still think that like a sober curious mindset is better than, you know, binge drinking every weekend. I always say that like my key piece of advice is if you want to cut down but don't quit it, is think about the reasons why you're drinking. And, you know, I always say drink for celebration and not for stress or commiseration or anything like that because otherwise you don't work through those feelings. If you're really stressed, rather than having a glass of wine, you should try and, like, work through that and say, okay, well, why am I stressed? What can I do that's healthier than drinking? Mm-hmm. And, and work through it that way. And instead, you know, save your alcohol for when you're celebrating or watching your favourite artist at a festival. There's there's kind of two reasons why we drink. One is for happiness and one is for sadness. And you should always try and avoid the sad one. Definitely. And I also think with the book as well, it's nice because, as we spoke about earlier, if you're more embarrassed or you feel the peer pressure... Mm-hmm getting a book is something you can do in your own time. Yeah. And also it kind of gives you that ammo of going, do you know what? I'm going to go out of the girls and I'm going to use that chapter because yeah. that is amazing. And straight away, people can have a lot of confidence going into a situation where, as you said, they're not looking to give up completely, but they've done something in their own time yeah. and they feel more confident going in with an approach or a strategy. Yeah. And that will help. Yeah. There's also a lot of like scientific information in there about alcohol and you know physical health and mental health and wellness in general so even just I think having some of that knowledge is really good so that if you go into a situation you're like oh actually I might not have that extra glass of wine because I know xyz does this to my body so I think that that will be helpful as well obviously it's sober girl society and I guess the main demographic is females yeah would you still say the book's handy for guys as well yeah I think there's definitely elements to it that could I mean most of it could definitely translate I think I came at it as sort of like a girl perspective because mainly because of the reasons that we were talking about it is that I think men and women do not necessarily drink for different reasons but like I think there's a lot more to unpack with men that I didn't feel like I was the person to do because I don't have the personal experience of that but there's definitely like 95% that you'd be able to relate to oh wicked so tell me this, because I'm a, I'm a goal setter. I like to think outside the box, yeah. look large. Where am I going? Where is Sober Girl Society five years from now? Taking over the world, hopefully. No. Everyone's sober. <laughs> everyone's sober. We've gooched everyone. Gooched, everyone's been gooched. Everyone's pink and sparkly. No, just to, just to make the world a more mindful drinking place. I'm fully aware that not everyone is going to pick up my book and be like, oh, I'm sober now. But if it just makes people think about their drinking a little bit more, I think that is the main difference. There's drinking because, you know, you love this one cocktail. You go for dinner, you have this, it's beautifully presented, you drink it. Or, you know, mindlessly doing tequila shots, getting absolutely out of your face, not remembering your night. I think there is a stark difference. I mean, personally, I'm TJ too, and that's where I prefer it. But I just think that we need to shift more people over to the, like, actually drinking because they like the taste. And, you know, more of like a European mentality than this binge drinking trash culture that we have. 
Wicked. I mean, that sounds like you're going to do that and more. We'll see, we'll see. 100%. When can people get the book or can they pre-order it now? They can pre-order it now on Amazon or Waterstones in the UK and then it's available in some other countries but hopefully we're going to have a US link soon in case you have any US audiences. But yeah, Amazon and Waterstones at the moment. And when's the actual release date? 14th of Jan. Amazing, I bet you're super excited. I am and terrified as well. Like <laughs> Putting your drunk stories into a book and letting the world read them is quite interesting. My mum read it and she was like, oh, I didn't know you did that. <laughs> Sorry about chapter four, <laughs> Yeah, sorry. Sorry about all swearing in there. But do you know what? People are going to resonate with that and go, I've been there. Yeah. And as soon as they see it all, I think everyone's going to gonna love it. And I'm going to get a copy of your book. Yeah. Um, and I will read it. Um, because yeah, I think, as you said, you I'm someone who doesn't like to drink much. So I feel like there's definitely things and your approach, which I think I'll really like yeah. anyway. So I'll definitely make sure I pre-order. And oh. guys, if you're listening, make sure you pre-order that book. It's going to be amazing. And Sober Girl Society, can I just say, is doing amazing things. Oh, thank you. Literally, like, it motivates me. Because <laughs> I'm trying to grow up seeing my Lean With Loop stuff, yeah. right? And I see your page, and I'm like, oh, sick. I gained 20 followers this week. I got Millie's, and she's gained 2,000. <laughs> like, oh, there we go. So, again, can I just say, you're doing absolutely <laughs> thank amazing. You. Um, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And yeah, thank you very lovely. much for coming on the podcast. I think a lot of people are going to absolutely love this. Oh, uh, thank so, you. thank you very much. Uh, so, yeah, guys, that is the crunch for today with myself, Luke, and Millie Gooch. Oh, thank you so much for having me. No problem. Mm-hmm.